listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got a full jam-packed Sunday to recap in the NFL, plus the Patriots in primetime coming up in just a couple of hours. What is the Vegas lead here on this Monday? Well, in a form of a question, who is the team that was the most dominant that happened to play on Sunday night? Yeah, that would be the New Orleans Saints, a stunner for most people who saw Tampa Bay go in as a favorite at home. But instead, it was New Orleans sweeping the season series from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Saints over the Bucs, 38-3 the final last night on Sunday Night Football. I mean, wow, wow. Here's what I can say. There's history that explains this. But the first thing I got to say is I feel like I was wrong about Tampa Bay. And when I say I was wrong, I said as recently as last week, if I could pick one team to win $10,000 if they won the Super Bowl, no odds, no nothing, who has the best chance to win the Super Bowl, I would have picked Tampa. Now, what I know is I'm saying that in the past tense. I'm not sure it's the past tense yet. I've got to think about it. And what I do know is, and we'll have some fun with this later with Fez, The minute you backtrack on a prediction prematurely because you're taking heat is usually the minute it's going to reverse itself. So, Fez, I'm going to give my take on where I thought this was predictable to some degree. But first, I got to ask you how you feel. You've been a Tom Brady skeptic for seven years, would you say? (laughs) Yes. I mean, you liked him well enough when he was winning all the Super Bowls. But then you said, hey, I'm a former actuary. Steve Fazek, correct? I am, and I've got the mortality tables. And as you get older, your uh, your arm falls off if you're an NFL quarterback around age 40. Yeah, but that's not mortality. Maybe it is for you because he'd be dead to you because he can't make you any money at that point. But the fact is, you understand with your training that as you get older, uh, bad things happen. And yes. you've been predicting that for Brady for a long time. So last week... You got confronted. Steve, you had Brady ranked number 19 coming in the year. What do you have to say for yourself? So you got out your abacus and click, click, click. And all of a sudden you came and go, oh, my gosh, is I really look at this? He's the third best quarterback. Isn't that what you said? <laughs> I said he's clearly a third. top 10. Oh, no. That, don't make me pull the tape. Don't the tape what, I, what I said was since week four, he's been the fourth best quarterback in the league statistically. The fourth best. And then on cue, you could have been sitting here with a smug look on your face. Now you can't win. Is literally you're you, you're on every side, so that means you're on no sides. How are you feeling about that? I feel crappy. <laughs> what, what's your main takeaway on the game? Experience matters. It's the only thing I can explain. Well, Brady this has game. a lot of experience. The Brady has a lot of experience, but Tampa Bay, you know, here's a team that has not had a winning year the last three years. They haven't had any playoff games with their roster, and New Orleans has had five playoff games the last three years. New Orleans is used to the big game, and Tampa oh, is. Oh, hold not. on a second. Hold on. Hold on. If the Saints got crushed, it could have been, you know, what we should have known all along. Well, one is Noodle Arm would have started, but then it would be like, they can't win the big game. Yeah, they win that game in October, but would they do the Minneapolis Miracle? Would they? It'd be this, you could spin it the other way, too. Or you could say, oh, Tampa Bay's got experience now because they're being led by Brady. Ah, Jonas, what's your main takeaway? New Orleans look like a team insulted that 
Tampa Bay thought they could come into their division, the division that they've run the last several years, and try and take over. They looked they looked really, really fired up for that game. They looked more ready to go than Tampa Bay did, and it looked like Tampa Bay was stunned early and had no ability to come back. It just that game felt over from the jump. Right after that Cook turnover uh, near the goal line, you thought Tampa Bay, okay, this is their chance. They're going to get a break here. They went three and out, punted the ball, and New Orleans never looked yeah. back. I was watching coverage today of you know of the aftermath, and I saw Bruce Arians, and I thought him again. And it, it struck me when you got a guy who just loves that mic, and I remember we were talking about it. Uh, after they signed Brady, I'm like, that guy's on the radio and TV more than perfect. Like he was on every show. Like what, what exactly was gained from that? Right. I get that you want to generate some attention for your team, but they were getting all the attention in the world. That guy likes to talk and I'm not complaining about that. I'm not into self-hatred. So I'm not going to like critique someone for liking to talk, but what's your job? Your job isn't to talk. It's to coach football. And when all I hear about with a guy is how he likes to drink at five, and I'm not having any assessment of him as a drinker. I'm talking about the idea you're not working, right? If you're golfing, it's the same thing. I'm, you know, it could be worse if you're drinking. I don't know. Well, what I know is you're not working when you're drinking or golfing. And it just strikes me that guys who know are like, wow, that was a, a pretty uninspired and unimaginative game plan. And really, that's what you said, Jonas, just now. It was over from the start, which means what? Schematically. It means the coaching. It was over from the start. And that's the thing I think we're missing about this Saints team. I don't know if it's Andy Reid, Sean Payton, Sean Payton, Andy Reid, but to me, the three best senior coaches, meaning I'm not in a position yet. Shanahan looks great, right? So does... Uh, McVeigh, but I don't know. I don't think they're in the class yet of Belichick, Andy Reid, and then Sean Payton gets left off that list. And Drew Brees is limited. He is. And you know what? They're still an amazingly good team. And you know what? They're still, at least Brees' stats are top flight. Top flight. This isn't a skills competition, right? It's like every basketball player that could touch the top of the bank board. When you're 16 years old, you get excited by that. But when you're an adult, you realize it's a game. The game It's not a high jump. Well, this isn't an arm strength competition. If your arm is strong enough to compete, your arm's strong enough. Then it becomes about other things. Malcolm Gladwell talks about this in The Tipping Point, is there are physical and mental limitations to certain things. I couldn't be four foot tall and play in the NFL. It doesn't matter how much will I had, what time I woke up. didn't matter. But once you get to the point you're tall enough, and Breeze is just tall enough, and strong-armed enough, and he's maybe just strong-armed enough, then it becomes about other things. And yeah, a strong arm can be an additional edge, but it doesn't disqualify you. And anyone that felt like Drew Brees was disqualified because of his arm strength was just plain stupid. And I don't say that often. Stupid and wrong. Because you got the stats. It's one thing if you were drafting the guy, you didn't know if he could play. He's done it. And he was doing it while people were saying it. And it was stupid. I give you credit, Fez. You didn't say that at least, right? You didn't talk about depth of target. Hey, did you know his depth of target was four points? I mean, come on. Look at it. Well, his depth of target has always been, you know, in the bottom of the NFL because Drew Brees, you know, takes what the defense gives him. and He's been very effective for years doing that. I'm RJ Bell. We're straight out of Vegas. Here's the math. And it tells you about the future. 
You think I would say this for a tease? Nah, I'm just giving it to you. Early season, the Saints struggle. And you know who else does early relatively? Belichick. You know why? Since the agreement, 2011 season, into 2000, or then the 12 was the first full season, there isn't as much time to prepare these teams. And because of that, the early season can be treated as an extended preseason, which means you don't win as many, but you're ready for the end of the year. And we've seen that with Belichick. The Saints in the first three weeks of the year, we're going to go to three weeks here, 33% straight up, 33 against the spread. That's the last seven seasons. So go back seven years. Right? They only win a third of their game straight up. Week, and this is amazing, four through nine. We just finished nine. 86% straight up, 31 and five against the spread, 27, eight and one. So 77%. So 33%, let's forget the spread. You win or you lose. We got 21 games in that first sample, first three weeks, seven years. They're winning a third of them. That's seven, Fez. Seven and 14. Now think about that. And then in the next tier of games, there's 36 of them and they're 31 and five. That's not a coincidence. Some of the struggles we saw from the Saints were by design in a way. Because in a COVID year, when teams are even more behind, what are they going to do? Well, you're either going to rush and make sure you kind of win that first game, which means, you know what? You're probably not doing the things to develop the team the way you need to. Or you do what Sean Payton has done now for seven years. Now, we can question him in the playoffs, but you can't question the rest of that regular season. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Speaking of great, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they survive a scare in Dallas yesterday. The Steelers come back and they take care of the Dallas Cowboys 24-19 the final at the Jerry Dome. You know, Ryan Clark, the media, the former Steeler, is growing on me. I didn't like him that much to start. I loved him so much as a player, but he said something today that was so right on. He said, every team plays a bad game. When the Steelers play a bad game, it's still not bad enough to lose. Now, let's be honest. The Cowboys are one of the worst teams out there right now without a good quarterback. And Pittsburgh barely won that game. That was a poor performance. But they did win. Now, what's shocking, I think, this is the first time in the history of the franchise, all the way back to Art Rooney with the cigar, comes home from the racetrack. I think he won Jones like $3,500, bought the Steelers (laughs) from the racetrack. That's my kind of team. They have never been 8-0. Never. Pittsburgh, never. Now, you might say, huh, Boy, I bet that rarely happens to anybody, right? Well, the last 8-0 team, Patriots, last year. Let's think about this. All the hubbub about Pittsburgh and 8-0, rightfully so. First time since the, you know, their inception in the 30s, I think it was. And the Patriots did it last year, and we're talking about how bad Belichick. Oh, the Patriots are on a bad streak. Okay. That's how good they are. And obviously that team... 8-0 was a little bit of a, oh, kind of an easy schedule with the Patriots. But, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers never had an easy schedule at any time in the last, I don't know, almost 100 years. So it goes to show you the greatness of the Pats. Steve, I think it's simple to say, Steve Fezzik joins, the Steelers didn't play great. 
Tomlin as road favorite is not good. Stay away. What else did you see? I saw Gilbert, the new quarterback for Dallas, just get his entire team excited. Let's face it, here's a team that's been playing with Dalton, who's been bad versus what was expected, and Danucci, who was horrendous. And to have Gilbert come out and zing the ball and be very successful in the first quarter, I think really lit a fire behind all of the Cowboys. Mm, I think that's good insight. Um, I heard someone else talking, I don't recall who, saying – the O-line look, just looks better. Like, like now that they've uh, – eye test, Fez, do you, do, was the protection better, you thought? Yeah, they got Zach Martin back. He had been out, and they got back one of their backups in Irving. So the O-line, while not nearly what it was to start the year, is improved versus the low point during the year. And remember, these are all professional-level athletes. Some of them are replacement-level, but as they play together game after game after game – it starts to make a difference, meaning that continuity increases. So no matter what level they're at, they're going to get better as time passes. Now the Steelers, I tweeted this out at RJ in Vegas, is their record the last 13 games in which it's one score game defined as eight points or less. Last 13 games, they're 11 and two. So that goes back until uh, mid-October last year, Fed. So about 13 months. They've had 13 one-score games. They're 11-2. and two. It would be your belief, typically, you'd say, regression, they're going to regress. Is that what you think here? Yeah, I do. I don't like, I don't <laughs> yes! like their I, – I don't like Tomlin as a game manager, and that's so important on the close games. So what did you think? But somehow, the best team in close games in the last 13 months is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yes. So what does that tell you? Well, sometimes you flip a coin and you get a bunch of heads in a row, RJ. Sample sample size. So we got regression and sample size. That's the thing about these math guys, Jonas. You can go to your grave with them being wrong, and then when they're lowering you in, you're going to hear sample size. Like, and that's going to be it. Like, the sample's over for you. But, you know, (laughs) um, I believe it's something else. I believe the same thing that makes you don't not like Tomlin Fez is why they do well in these games. He's loose. He's a weird combination of loose, but intense. Yes. Think about that is usually intense. People are the type that, you know, uh, the dad's getting the, uh, all the, the kids luggage straight and he's make make sure your tags up side right not on the left side that's it they check it on the left you know that kind of dad the great santini type they're usually very you know task oriented very detail oriented but they are so tense you just you know the kids are drinking whiskey like at age 14 trying to relax tomlin has this weird like he's got what matters to him and he's going to be so intense about it and if it doesn't matter to him he's loose and i think that the looseness of the Steelers hurts them sometimes with fumbles or against bad teams. But when the chips are down, they never seem nervous. Think about that throw Ben made. I was at the game, the Super Bowl in Arizona or against Arizona in Florida. That throw to Holmes, they could have kicked that field goal and gone into overtime. And he made a throw. It felt like it was almost like Kevin Costner in Tin Cup trying to go over that water. (laughs) The the way that he – and it could have been picked off. And he's a gun – he is a gun slinger. And 
hey, listen, we can talk if we if, if that's good or bad, but I think it adds to their ability to win close games. What do you think, Jonas? Yeah, no, I think, and, and going back to that play in the Super Bowl, that was over two guys. So, San Antonio, <laughs> and, it's not like, and it's not like San Antonio Holmes is a big dude. No. He's an, uh, under six feet tall, if I'm not mistaken. And that was over two guys in the corner of the end zone, one of the great all-time clutch throws, most accurate throws that I've ever seen. And it just looked like yesterday they – eventually we're going to figure it out. I, I, I had the feeling going into the fourth quarter that, okay, well, maybe this is when they're going to get got by Dallas. And then as the game went on, it was just obvious that they were the team that was ready for the moment. They were the team that was going to figure out a way to make the plays that they needed to make. And they went down and they scored. And it's one of those John Calipari says it about the NCAA tournament. Sometimes you just got to land the plane. doesn't have to be pretty. Just get the plane <laughs> on the ground. And for the Steelers, you just – you win this one and you move on. Just win it. It wasn't pretty and you get to next week. I agree. I think that Dallas, I mean, as much as I lament, you know, Dominic Danucci, we hardly knew you, but <laughs> it does feel it does feel like the new Jacobs, is that it, Faz? I, I can't remember his name. The, the Gilbert. New, oh, okay. The new quarterback, I'll call him until he lasts a while. <laughs> Number seven, like a Friday Night Lights, QB2. But the reality is it did feel more energized and jobs are on the line. All right. It doesn't matter what your record is. Jobs are on the line. Be sure to catch live editions of straight out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Quickly, though, Jonas, let's do college. We don't do a ton of college, but man, that Notre Dame win. It, It affected the odds, but maybe not how we thought. Yeah, Notre Dame-Clemson was fantastic on Saturday night. It went into double overtime, but it was the Irish with the big win at home, one of the biggest wins in a long time in in the program's history. They were number four in the country going in. 47-40 was the final. Thus, they have moved up to the two spot in the AP Top 25. But not in the odds. So, Fez, I don't know if you have it right in front of you. If not, take a second and grab it. What was the total line adjustment from uh, for the quarterback absence with Clemson? Uh, yeah, so Trevor Lawrence was minus 10.5, I believe, and then it went all the way down to 5. So about a 5.5-point adjustment. Now, that doesn't seem like – so like let's create some context. Aaron Rodgers in his prime, uh, let's say his prior prime, maybe he's having a renaissance – he moved the line when he hurt his shoulder that second time, uh, his collarbone, 10 points. So Trevor Lawrence is moving at ha- in college half as much as Aaron Rodgers. That's it. Wow. That... Um Steve, usually when a question is asked, you answer. Yes, and I think it's a matter of you know by by, by all claims, you know the the backup for Clemson is a great quarterback, just no experience at all. Of course, okay, that's an interesting yes. point. When you're that pedigreed, you should have a pretty good backup. But still, I thought Trevor Lawrence was the savior. Yeah, I'm a skeptic. I'm a Lawrence skeptic. Here's the thing, Fez. Here are and we did it in the headlines. The favorites: Alabama, the Ohio State University, Clemson. Florida with one loss, then Notre Dame, but 16 to 1. Explain. Well, the feeling is that. Clemson is still very live to make the playoffs because the, both teams are in the ACC. If things go according to Hoyle, Clemson's going to be able to get Notre Dame again. And if Clemson wins that game, Clemson very, very likely to make the Final Four. 
Now, Jonas, he doesn't answer questions directly, but <laughs> he'll say according to Hoyle, which is a reference to like a, a manual on cars from like the 40s. <laughs> Great. I mean, topical. Top. <laughs> That's Steve Fezzik. I'm R.J. Bell. Jonas, question. You understand college football better than me, but it strikes me the following could happen. Florida has better odds than Notre Dame. So if Florida beats Alabama in the SEC title game, they're in different divisions. Yeah. All right. Now, Notre Dame splits with Clemson. The theory is, okay, is, is the second game more important than the first game? I don't know. You can debate, well, without Trevor Lawrence, whatever. But that would mean there's a one-loss Alabama and a one-loss Notre Dame in this case and a one-loss Clemson. Who gets kept out in that case? I would think, just based on resume, because if you're looking at who's got the best win, I would think Notre Dame would get the advantage over Alabama. Uh, just because yeah, okay, and and you know Santa Claus is ready for your ladder. But it's it's <laughs> that that's how that's how I would vote for it. But I mean, whether or not SEC gets love, the problem we've never seen a team lose a, a conference championship game and then get to the college football playoff. I think this is going to be the first year we see that. If that scenario plays out, it comes down to who's got the better resume, Alabama or Notre Dame, and it's hard to argue against Notre Dame, who's already got a win over the number one ranked. Team in the country i tell you i can't I, i'm just waiting for the sec to be judged harshly i'm just waiting <laughs> i haven't found it yet so and i do think it's fascinating to close this topic is the idea that if this was a regular year and notre dame played clemson once and won the game that considering the rest of their typical schedule and no conference final for them they're in and it's just this COVID year forcing them to take an ACC schedule that would require this. Wow. Talk about that being a bad break if it's what keeps them out. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. 